Well, good evening. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad to have you here with us. Uh, we just have a couple announcements real quick. If your kid is in the youth group, they're already downstairs having their Christmas party, so you can go ahead and go on down. But kiddos, you're up here during worship, and then you will go to Children's Church. Don't forget about 21 days of prayer coming up from the 7th to the 27th. Um, times and stuff is, we'll get more information out to you, but mark it in your calendar. That is an important time, and we're very excited about what God's going to do during those three weeks. So if you can, let's stand, and I'm just going to pray, and we're going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that gave us the Christmas season just to begin with. And Lord, we love you. Father, we just turn our hearts and our attention towards you tonight. God, I pray that you would come and have your way, that we would leave this place changed, that you would lift off heavy burdens tonight, God, that we would be able to lock eyes with you. We love you, Lord, and we give you all of the honor. We give you all of the glory. We give you all of the praise because you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus and I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark Addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Cause your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life.
Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. to leave his throne knowing what he was going to have to suffer so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again all that I have is a Nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing Just go around and greet some of your family of faith. And kids, you are dismissed. We're so glad to have you here with us tonight.
Better? 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 I could yell that loud, but since we're live streaming, I got to use the mic, so. All right, uh, I'm going to pray over the offering real quick, and then we're going to get going here. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would come and bless this offering, that you would bless your finances. Lord, what you've chosen to give us, and we honor you, we uh, show faithfulness by giving back to you. We know that you are more than able to take care of us. You haven't asked for much, Lord, with our finances. You only ask for a little, and you make it a lot. So I pray that you do that with this that you would move and move in our hearts more than anything, because we know that more than anything, you're after hearts, God. So do that right now in Jesus' name. If you have it, you can bring it on up. If you haven't already, maybe you did already. All right, so I preached this message this morning. Nobody was here, but I came in and preached it to nobody. So I'm going to compare this morning's to after I'm done tonight and see if it was better one way or the other. If so, you might have to start coming on Wednesday mornings. It's always better live. Okay, that's fine. I think we have a, you know, we try to judge whether things are good or not by how good they sound. And really, all of us in here just want to be used for the Lord. Am I right? So tonight, uh, I'm going to start by going to 2 Peter 1, 3. I'm going to remind you of something first. So this message is going to be a little bit about uh, what's coming in 2024, uh, or what we want to come in 2024, how we want it to be different than 2023, and pretty much every year before that. But I want to remind you of something first. Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 3, uh, I'm sorry, one, two. Let me get there because I'm in First Peter. There we go. No, I was already there. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So this is something we know that you've been given everything that you need to live a godly life. He's given us everything that we already need to live godly in this life. Don't let the enemy tell you that he's taken it and you can't have it back. I'm getting so tired of the enemy taking things. Aren't you getting tired of the enemy taking things? There was a thought that came to my mind uh, earlier this week, and it was all about territory. I don't remember where I got the thought, but the thought came to me like, this is God's, oh, it was, there was a fella walking outside uh, Sunday, I think, or maybe last Wednesday, and he was on the corner there, and I was just watching, I was over here watching him through the window, um, looked like he was on the phone with somebody, and I was like, who's that? You know, I kept looking over there like, Lord, who's that? Who is that? You know, who, why is he there? And then it hit me like, he's in God's territory right now because we've claimed this territory for the Lord. And I'm like, so let's go talk to that guy. Let's just tell him, hey, you're in God's territory right now. You know, and so we prayed together. He was real kind. He was kind of having an argument with his wife and they live a couple houses down for any of you who go knocking on doors around here. Uh, his name was Jason and uh, He's like, oh, man, we, we had this, this spat, you know, and, and she's actually on her way to a, a church, I don't know, an hour or so away. And I was like, well, we're right here. So you guys can just wander on down here anytime you want. And I'm expecting to see that man. But I thought, started thinking, 
this is God's territory. What else is God's territory? And I was like, how about my family? My family is God's territory. And I'm not just talking about my immediate family. I'm talking about the ones who aren't saved. There's some unsaved folks in my family. And I'm getting tired of the enemy playing his tricks on them. Some of them have never known the Lord. Some of them never cried out to him. And he just keeps them in these strongholds. And I thought, God, what's going on? This is your territory. My sister in Texas is your territory. So I'm praying for her in a different way than I have before. Uh, our families, where we work, if you, if you work, or whoever you, you, you're around, whatever your ministry tends to be, that's God's territory. And he says, all right, I've shown you what I'm going to do. I'm showing you who's around you. Now I'm, I'm preparing you and I'm reminding you, I've given you everything that you need. I've given you everything that you need to add to the kingdom. We might think, and I'll, I'm preaching to myself because a lot of times, several times, I'll think, what am I doing? What am I doing for you? I've been caught up in my own mess for so long that I've forgotten I have a calling. And it's not, it's, it's not going to be the calling of Jonah anymore. I was thinking about that earlier. Like, we're not going to live in, in the Jonah manifestation anymore where he knew he had a call. And instead of going and answering the call, he said, no, I'm just going to go the other way. Did you know? You've all read it, right? He was on the ship, and the ship was being tossed by the waves. And they were all crying out to their gods, and they said, you, cry out to your god. And he said, okay, I'll cry, you know, and they, they tried and tried, and then they, they cast lots and said, whose fault is this? And it says, a lot fell on Jonah. And they said, what have you done? And what can we do to save ourselves and save you? You know what he could have said was, well, just turn this boat back around and take me to Nineveh, and it'll be great, you know, that, that'll stop it. But he didn't say that, did he? He said, throw me overboard. That's what you got to do. He said, I'd rather die than do what God's calling me to do. And if you read the history, Nineveh was at war with the Israelites and stuff in those days. Cause, so what God was calling him to do was go and preach and proclaim that God was going to overthrow that city so that they would be saved, right? Because that's what he did eventually, the hard way. And then what he say? I knew you were going to do this. So he told God, I knew you were going to save them because I knew that you were a merciful God. That's why I didn't want to come. And God, you know, explains to him, this is a great city. These people are important. Even at the very end, if you read it, he said, even the cattle there were important. So we have a call on our lives and we've been given everything we need to answer that call. No more are we going to be people who don't answer the call for time is running out. Don't we know that time is so short? Man, it's just every day. Time is so short. I keep thinking of it. I keep thinking, what am I doing with all my time? Am I spending my time on me? Listen, we got things we deal with. We got things we battle with. I get that. But I'm telling you, 2024, I'm looking ahead. 2024 is going to be the year where we start taking some stuff back. Amen? 2024 is going to be the year where we say, no more are we going to keep falling into these traps. No more are we going to keep dealing with the same addictions. No more are we going to keep putting up with the same mess. We're going to cast that enemy out and rub it in his stupid face because we're not taking it anymore. Amen? Amen. So how do we do that, right? We have this saying, probably just in America, I don't know, but you hear it a lot. You see it on bumper stickers. It says, let go and let God. Right? If that's brought you encouragement in the past, well, praise God. Good for you. But it's no longer time to just let go and let God. I lived my whole life, you guys, 
waiting for God to do what he's called me to do. You understand? I've lived my whole life praying, God, take this from me. Take this from me. Take this from these, you know, these bad things, these things I couldn't seem to get rid of. Take this from me. Some of you have known me long enough to know what I've struggled with over the years. Some of you have known me long enough to know what I've fought with and dealt with over the years. That's because I was always praying, God, take this from me. He said, don't you understand? I took it. But you have the authority. Now you've got to get it out of there. You've got to cast it out. We say things like, oh, man, that old man's creeping back up. How's the old man going to creep back up when he's dead? He ain't alive no more. There's only one that I know of who has the power to resurrect life, and that's Jesus. He's not bringing the, that old man back from the dead. He said, I'm not even going to fix your old man. That's not what the Bible says. He didn't say, oh, I come and I fix the old man. He said, no, I'm going to go ahead and kill him. I got to kill him. I got to destroy him because I'm making you a new creation, making you a new creature. So since we have everything that we need for life and godliness, why don't we stir ourselves up? Go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 8. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. So let me give you the backstory here. David was living with the Philistines, right? Living in the land of the Philistines. He was on the run from Saul. This was before he was anointed king, but it was before he actually got, got named king, right? Before Saul was dead, he was running, living with the Philistines, his enemy, right? And some of them even said that. They said, isn't this David, uh, the one who slain Goliath? Isn't this the one they sang songs about that said, uh, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands? Yeah, they were talking about us, right? That's what they were saying. That was David living, living amongst the Philistines. And it says that every now and again, David would go on a conquest and tell King Achish, who was the king of Gath at the time, he, he would say, oh, I'm going to go down and smite some of the Israelites. But really, he was going and smiting people of the Philistines and coming back with great victories, right? So he was using his position. Isn't that what the, the Lord says? He said, I'll even set a table for you in the presence of your enemies. This is a literal thing. Guess who wrote that psalm? Right, David, because he knew exactly what was happening. So, so what happened was uh, the Philistines were rising up to go to war against Saul and the children of God. And they expect, well, King Achish expected David to go. And he said, all right, I'll go. But the princes of the land said, David isn't going. David and his 600 mighty men aren't going. What? This is his, his homeland. These are his people. What if we get down there and he turns and he becomes our enemy? So they're like, you can't let him come. So even though King Achish uh, felt for David and he said, you've been like a son to me and all this stuff. He said, go back to where you came from. You can't come with us this time. So we pick up in verse 1. Now it happened when, Ken, when David and his men came to Ziklag. That's where they were going back to, right? This is where they, they chilled. They hung out in Ziklag. On the third day, so it took them three days to get, I can't remember where they were at, back to Ziklag, right? That the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag attacked, I'm sorry, and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women, can't do it, I'm trying, can't do it without the glasses. <laughs> the women and those who were there, from small to the great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. 
and they all, I'm sorry, and they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, uh, the Jezreelite, Tess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. So what happened? They came home, all their stuff was gone, all their wives, all their children was gone. Understand, these were men of war, right? We've read about the mighty men of David, the men who followed him around with no place to, to lay their head, no food to eat, right? They, they would go from place to place, even eating the priest's bread at one point. So they were looking for some comfort. They were looking to go home and relax and, and be in some comfort because they weren't going to war. This was a time of peace for them. And instead of that, they came home to a life that had been destroyed. Now, part of what I want to talk about tonight is the war that's going on. Part of what I want to talk about is the war that goes on every day in our lives. And guys, I'm not talking about some metaphorical war like, oh, this is a battle. You know, this is a spiritual. I'm talking about a real war that we fight every day. Paul said it like this. My flesh is at war with my spirit every day. Who can save me from this body of sin, this wretched body? Praise be to God that Jesus Christ did it for me. We're talking about a war every single day. You may think, oh, I got saved and now things are good and, and oh, I go through things every now and again. Do you understand that the devil has no power over you? Do we get that? The only time the enemy has power or entrance into our life is when we give it to him, right? He certainly can't overpower the Lord or the Holy Spirit. We live our life by the Holy Spirit. So when the enemy comes in and, and starts, you know, wrecking our lives, it's because we gave it to him. I remember one time, a few years ago, Pastor Dosick came and preached at the old church. And uh, I don't remember what the message was about. I just remember him saying, you know, I can't remember the last time I committed willing sin. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. you know what I mean? I took that and I was like, but the, because I was like, oh, the Bible says any man who says he's without sin makes God a liar. And uh, you, know, you can't be without sin. Only one was without, I went through this whole thing. And then what I realized is we can live our lives without willing sin. Right? How many of you sinned, right? I've sinned. You don't have to raise your hand. Tom's never sinned, I'm sure. But what I remember the last time I sinned willingly and every time before that is God gave me the choice. I remember having the choice and choosing, right? And that's where we give the enemy providence in our life. That's where we say, well, I, I don't want to serve God anymore. I want to serve this sin. And we say, oh, it's just for now or I'm too weak. I don't have the power. I can't resist. I can't stop. Why is it that we live our lives serving the Lord, but yet can't stop doing these things? The old man is dead, right? We've crucified our flesh. We've reckoned ourselves dead, right? <laughs> Christine was saying it, I was saying it, right? So why is that? It's because we've let spirits in. We've let the enemy in. We've allowed ourselves to be overtaken. We've allowed ourselves to have company and not of the Lord. You understand? When your eyes get cast upon something <clears throat> on the internet, like pornography or whatnot, you're just inviting company in and not the good kind. 
You understand? So we live under strongholds if we allow ourselves. The Bible talks about the Lord being our stronghold, our strong tower. He's the only one we should have. If we're in a situation where we have a choice to do good or bad, we should be held strong by the desire to do good, by the Holy Spirit saying, you can't do that other thing because I'm here and I'm stronger than you. He is the strong man that comes in. He's already taken the spoil, you understand? I was strong before, but his will is stronger than mine. And when I said yes, he came in and took every bit of it. He came in and took every bit of me. There's nothing that he didn't take as long as I gave it to him. So you think that that doesn't happen with the enemy too, that he doesn't come in and try to take things from you when you let him in, but he does. 2024 is going to be different. I'm saying that, I'm preaching to myself. I'm saying it because I've done it so many times. I fell into the trap so many times and only by the grace of God did I ever come out of it. Mine was an addictive past. I live a life of addiction for a long time. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. But the Lord rescued, rescued me from it August 6, 2004. That doesn't mean it never happened after that. But I did what I'm sitting here telling you we tend to do. And that's put ourselves in those situations where we think we don't have any power. We think that he is so strong. It feels, I used to tell her, she'd say, why? Why are you doing this? You know, why are you leaving again? And I'd say, it feels impossible not to leave. It feels impossible not to do, you know, what, what I want to go do. And I, I didn't know how to overcome it. I knew Jesus was my savior and I'd pray. But there's a time where he says, it's time for you to take the authority that you have. Understand? Verse six, they came back, nobody there. Wives and children gone. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and every man for his daughters. But David did what? He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He said to Abiathar the priest, Abimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. This was the ephod of the priest, the garment of the priest. And he said, And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. This is God answering David, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, recover all. David didn't look at his men when they were wanting to stone him and say, it's okay, just let go and let God. He said, God, what shall I do? He didn't say, God, what are you going to do? I'm going to pray. I'm going to go into the, you know, the tabernacle and I'm going to sit still and pray and wait for my wives and children to just walk back. He said, what shall I do? Obviously, I'm talking about what we do with the power of the Lord. I'm not talking about us in our own strength. So get that in there right now. I'm not talking about the strength of man. I'm talking about the power of God and the authority of God being upon you. The Holy Ghost, which didn't even reside in man back then, came upon men and women, but didn't reside in them, right? So he said, what shall I do? Because David understood, I'm a child of God. I have to do something, but I can't do it without the Lord. He didn't say, well, let's just go. He inquired of the Lord, right? But he strengthened himself. So there's a few types of Christians in the world. And this just hit me this morning. There's those that constantly, and I'm not beating up on anybody. I've been there. I get there sometimes. 
that constantly get defeated. The battle comes, the war comes, and they run away. You know, there was a time in my life I was so fearful of everything, especially like the dark, believe it or not. Like a dark, are you laughing at me, Teddy? <laughs> I was just kidding. That's okay. I didn't understand it. I told Samara, this is after we were married, not, not even super long ago. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I know the Lord is the same in the dark as he is in the light. I don't get why. Don't you understand? It was a stronghold. I was afraid to talk about the enemy. I wouldn't even talk about him for, you know, because I was afraid, oh, you speak of the devil and he appears, you know what I mean? And I was always afraid of stuff like that for a long time, long time. I had nightmares for 16 years of my life, every single night. And it started when I was young, two, three years old. So the enemy had decided, well, I'm going to try this, right? He didn't know me. He said, I'm going to try this. And it worked for a long time. It was a stronghold. And until I realized this is a demonic stronghold, believe it or not, this is a demonic stronghold in my life, but that time has come to an end. Until I realized that, I wasn't able to defeat it. Because I knew it here, right? But I didn't know it in here. I didn't get it. The thing that had been covered up was then revealed. And I realized, wow, the power of the Lord, the authority of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in me. Amen? And so instead of running away, we get to the second type of, of believer. And those are the ones who stand, baby. The ones who see the battle and it's coming right at them. And they stand. They ain't moving. They're not backing down. They're not going to fall. They're going to stand right there and let that, that battle come right to them. And they're going to pull out the sword and start slaying the enemy and slaying demons. And then there's the third type. The third type don't run, at least not away. They don't stand. They run to the battle. They go and overtake. And I'm telling you folks, that's where I'm at right now. I haven't been there before, but I'm in a place now where I'm saying, I'm so tired, I'm mad, right? I'm mad at the devil. I'm mad for holding me hostage for so long in here to not only dark, but several different things. I'm mad for all the time that I wasted running after things where he kept putting me in the same pit. He kept digging the same pit everywhere I would go so I'd fall into that trap. I'm mad because I've known the Lord 19 years and only a handful of them have I actually served him in fullness or at least the fullness that I know. And I'm running toward the battle, baby. I'm coming. And we're all going to go. That's the year of 2024. That's what I'm here to talk to you about. The other day, or yeah, still the other day, see, that stuff still, still tries to come, okay? Even when we have a battle, we, we overcome these strongholds, they still try to come back from time to time because the enemy will keep trying. He has no shame. He has no depravity. He'll throw it right back out there. So the other day, <clears throat> about a week or two ago, I came here in the morning, and it was dark. Um, and if you've never been here, like before anybody else gets here, it's super dark in here, right? And there's always been something about church buildings, right? Like the enemy, especially you think of like the old Catholic buildings, like they're just creepy sometimes, right? So I got, I parked outside, was walking up the stairs, and here come that old spirit of fear. 
I could feel it. Back of my neck start standing up. I could feel my blood starting to run cold. And instead of saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to stop right here, and I'm going to go ahead and bless this place, I hightailed it up them stairs, threw that door open, and said, let's go. Come on. I stood right here in the middle of the floor and said, what are you going to do now? You ain't tricking me no more. You ain't holding me hostage no more. I'm running to the battle. And it's scriptural. Remember David? First, what is it? First Samuel 17. Go a few chapters back if you want. First Samuel 17. This is the battle of Goliath. David and Goliath. David said, you know, Goliath said his piece, oh, I'll give you to the, you know, the birds of the air and blah, blah, blah. And David said, you come at me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass, your carcass, Oh, I'm sorry, the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword nor spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And this is what I want you to hear. So it was when the Philistine arose, Goliath arose, and came and drew near to meet David. David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Nine foot nine, David's a teenager, probably shorter than me. Ran to the Philistine, pulled out his, his sling and his stone. And as he's running, right, it maybe stopped or maybe he just kept going. And maybe he used all that momentum to sling that sucker right into the, the forehead of Goliath so much that it says it sank into his head. I don't know about you guys, but that gets me fired up. I've heard the story of David and Goliath a thousand times. I remember the first time I heard that, I said, oh, shoot, he didn't just stand there. He wasn't just waiting for him to get close enough. Oh, God, please let this work. Oh, God, please let this work. Oh, God, please let this work. Please let this work. No. He used them feet. Amen. He used those strong legs. He didn't even have armor on. Remember, Saul tried to give him his armor, and it says it, it couldn't be proved, meaning it didn't fit him. So he went out there without any armor, but he understood that God doesn't, God doesn't slay by the sword or with a spear, but he came in the name of the Lord, and he ran to meet Goliath in the battle. There's another passage. And I, I'm reading these because, and some of these, I'm going to go into the New Testament in just a minute, but some of these, man, I draw from them. These were men who understood they had something to do. They had a call that they had to answer. These weren't men and women who just sat back and said, I'm just going to let God do this. There are times where we can't. We don't know how, right? And we have to let God just do it for us. I get that. But when we move from a place of God do it all to God, what are you calling me to do? in your strength. He says, the word says, he didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, right? It says, blessed are those servants who when he returns, when the master returns, he is found what? Doing. Found doing. We got stuff to do for the Lord. Anyway, uh, Joshua 14, 6 through 15. This one gets me a lot. You don't have to turn to these if you don't want. I'm just going to read them. This is Caleb. Everybody remember Caleb? One of the 12 spies came back, gave a good report. All the other, uh, well, 10 of them, 10 of the other spies came back and said, we can't take this land, 
Remember, it had been 40 years since they came out of Israel. They were looking forward to this the entire time. This is the land that God had promised them. The 10 came back and said, mm-mm, we can't go up in there. Those guys are like giants. They said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. First of all, did you know, I heard this the other day, that fear is just faith in what the enemy can do. Man, I had never thought of that. Pastor Daniel used to say, uh, what do he say? Fear is the promise of things that haven't happened yet, right? Something like that. Well, this guy, this other pastor said, fear is really just faith in the devil and what he can do. And if we're going to believe in the devil, why aren't we believing in God? If we, we have this belief that, all oh, the devil can do this and, devil, and we have all this faith, why aren't we just shifting that and putting our faith in the Lord, right? That's what Caleb did. He said, I don't care how big they are. We're going into that land because God said we can. And I don't know how big these giants were. We know that they were at least as tall as Goliath, right? Maybe bigger. And this was like a whole camp of them. So later on in Joshua, after they, they had gone into the land, Caleb said this. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea. Uh, this is uh, Joshua 14.7 if you're, if you're wanting to go. He sent me into Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And then he gets fired up, or at least this is where I get fired up. And he says, and now, so this is years later, he said, and now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. And I'm telling you, this day, it don't matter how old you are, it don't matter how long you've been down, it don't matter what he's pulled on you before, all the tricks that he's tricked us with, today you're just as strong as the day you got called into the ministry. You're just as strong this day as when he first called your name. The plan has already been written, you see. It doesn't matter what we do aside from sin. As long as we're following him and he makes the path straight before us, you're just as strong today. And he didn't just say, well, I'm just as strong to go build myself a house. He said, no, I'm still just as strong for war today as I was back then. Back then, I was 40 years old. Most men are working on retirement or trying to get there by then. He said, no, I was strong for war back then. I'm just as strong right now at 85 years old, 45 years later. Why? Because he held on to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord said, you're going to inherit because you believed what he said in my heart that we could take this place. And he said, I'm just ready. I'm just as strong. I'm just as ready today. 19 years later, after I've known the Lord, I'm telling you, I'm just as strong today as I was back then. In between has been some rough spots. Some of this but I'm not doing this anymore. I'm doing this. I'm going up. I'm going to meet him right where he's at. And when the battle comes, it's not going to defeat me. I'm not going to stand. I'm going to run into it. 
And if we die, right? If we run into the battle and we give ourselves and we give everything we have and we die, praise God. Let's go. Then we get to come back with him when he goes into the battle. Amen. Riding on a white horse. We get to come back with him and overtake the one who's going to try to overtake the world. We know there's one coming, right? We know we're living in the last days, don't we? Do we need reminded that we're living in the last days? Look around. Watch the news. Look at your friends. I saw a little girl yesterday. I was at the Y because Wiley had practice. And there was a young lady who was running around. My sister, Beck, she's uh, 15. And they were there. And this little girl, or this girl about her age, must have been a friend of hers. They were running together. And she came up to me and said, hey, Jude. And I looked, hey, guys. And then this girl that was with her, um, they had, like, biker shorts on. They were working out. And I looked at this. And I wasn't even going to say this tonight, but it came to me. This little girl's leg, she was actually a, a decent-sized girl. She had marks on her right leg, horizontal lines, scars down her leg. My heart broke for this young lady. And I thought at some point in her life, maybe recently, they were scarred over, so I don't know. Maybe she was still hiding the rest. But at some point in this young lady's life, she thought it so necessary to feel something that she started cutting on herself. That she started causing herself pain. That's a demon. You understand that? That's, a de that's not just the world. They don't get up on TV and say, hey, if you need to feel something, feel this. That's a demon telling you to do that. They're just as real as angels. They're in the spiritual world, which we already said we're at war with every day. The power of God has overcome all of that. And you've been given authority. What's Luke, Luke 10, 19? What's it say? It says, I have, just Jesus speaking, I have given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means ever hurt you. So we let him in. And they had hurt this young lady. And I didn't say anything to her. I didn't want to embarrass her, but I've been praying for her. It's time that we start taking people back. It's time that we start running into battle. It's time that we start interceding. If, and if you're already interceding, praise God. You know what a spiritual attack is like. Because you can't go and intercede for somebody and not get attacked by the enemy. But let me tell you something. The enemy will keep attacking you. Keep attacking you. Until he finds out what government's coming to your aid if he attacks you again. That's when demons start knowing your name. Remember the sons of Sceva? Acts 9, 10, somewhere in there. It says that Paul was casting out demons. <clears throat> and there were seven sons of, of one named Sceva. And it said, well, they met a man and they said, We adjure you by Jesus, the one whom Paul preaches. Come out of him. And these demons, what'd they say? They said, Do we know a Sceva? You know the priest, Sceva. These are his sons. No. No Sceva? Yeah, we don't know you. We know Jesus, and we know Paul, but we don't know who you are. And then what's it say? It says that that, that demon-possessed man leaped upon those seven sons and tore their clothes, and they ran out of the house naked and wounded see they didn't understand the authority they had the name is enough but they didn't know jesus if they did they would have said we cast you out in the name of jesus our savior our lord they said we cast you out in the name of jesus the one whom paul talks about they didn't know him so there's a knowing right sidetrack 
We're running into battle. I need you to know this isn't, you may look and say, well, that's warriors, Judah. Them were, you know, men of war. It wasn't just men of war. Let's read 1 Kings. Here, I'm not, we don't need to read. I'm just going to tell you. 1 Kings 18, right? This is the story of Elijah. Well, part of the story of Elijah. Remember, he was on the run. It said Ahab was looking for Elijah. This is before Mount Carmel. He, Ahab was seeking out all the prophets of the land to kill him. Elijah then went and met Ahab. And what Ahab say? Anybody remember? What do you want to do with me, you troubler of Israel? At least that's the way the King James says it. You troubler of Israel? When really Ahab was like the worst king in the Bible, right? He said, I've got this idea. It wasn't his idea. He said, you go grab all the prophets of Baal, the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 300 prophets of Ashtaroth, and bring them to Mount Carmel, and give me two bulls, or you take one and I'll take one. You set up an altar to your God, and when you're done, I'll set up an altar to my God. Whichever God answers by fire, let him be God of Israel. He said, in fact, let all of Israel come out and see this. So they did that. The prophets of Baal went first. They set up the altar, cut up the bull, prayed to their gods all day. Prayed to their gods day and night. And it said <laughs> halfway through it, what did Elijah, Elijah, Elijah do? He started mocking him, didn't he? Man, that gives me a love it. He said, cry a little louder. Maybe he is on a journey or maybe he is sleeping. He is a God. Maybe he's doing ministry, you know. And he made fun of him. And I'm in that place right now where I'm ready to just start making fun of the, of the devil. I'm ready to start laughing in his stupid, ugly face and saying, you tricked us for long enough. You've been a holding on to us for far too long. You've had me in this mess, this cycle, for far too long. And I'm telling you, we're not cyclers. We're not going to be caught up in cycles the rest of our lives. We're starting right now, and we're going toward the Lord, and we're going in a straight line. It's time to put away all the things that cast or that, that beset us, right? It's what the Word says, setting aside the sin that so easily besets us. The things that have always worked before, I'm telling you, are not going to work anymore. But you've got to decide it's the authority that he has given me that I'm going to use to cast that mess out. Instead of saying, God, take it. God, take it. God, take it. He says, get rid of it you get rid of it in the name of Jesus and we have the power to do it right so Elijah Elijah calls forth they they couldn't get they couldn't get Baal to, to answer by fire right even so much they started cutting themselves in desperation right where does that come from demons were real then just same as they are now he said all right my turn so he dug a pit or a moat right around his sacrifice of wood and the bull and uh, he said get me three or give me four right give me four water pots and dump them on the altar and they did that and he said do it again and they did it again he said do it a third time and they did it a third time 12 times imagine that and then he called upon the name of the lord <laughs> and what happened it says and then fire came down from heaven and it licked up the bull and it licked up all the water and all the wood so that there wasn't any altar left. And all of Israel said, the Lord, he is God. And in all, that, all the midst of all that happening, Elijah said, now go get those 450 prophets of Baal and bring them down here to the river. We're going to kill every one of them. Amen. Amen. 
And then you wonder in the next couple of chapters why he's sitting saying, oh, God, just kill me. They're after me. He murdered all them men, right? Jezebel was furious, even so much to where he thought he was the only one left. Remember, he said, just go ahead and take me, Lord, because I'm the only one who hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. I'm it. He said, no, 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 no. I've preserved 7,000 or so that haven't done that. Don't you understand that if he would have died, Elisha hadn't come along yet. He hadn't met Elisha yet. He met him right after that. But if he would have died then, if God would have took him then, we would have never had Elisha who continues the, you know, the, the saga of Elijah. That's a whole other story, and I love it. So you're saying, okay, some were warriors, some were prophets, but those were all men, Judah. So what about you ladies? Oh, you ladies are called, I'm telling you. Let's go to Judges chapter uh chapter 4 yeah I'm just going to tell you it's quicker uh, so Barak right was a judge B-A-R-A-K Barak Barak however you want to say it I prefer Barak for all obvious reasons <laughs> uh, Barak was a judge and Deborah was also a judge right it says that she was a mother to Israel that she used to sit under a tree and prophesy to Israel and judge their, their concerns. And so she said, look, Sisera, Sisera was um, not of the kingdom of the Lord. He wasn't a, an Israelite. And it says he was the one during that time that was plaguing Israel like a long time, just like everybody in, in Judges, basically. And she looked at Barak, Barak and said, um, look, you need to go here. God's telling me you need to go to this place because he's going to lure Sisera out and he's going to deliver him into your hands. And what Barak say? I ain't going unless you come. Talking to, the, to Deborah, a woman. He said, I'm only going to go if you come with me. And she's like, all right, listen, I'm going to come. But you got to know you're not going to get glory from this. Because God is going to deliver Sisera over into the hand of a woman. Amen? Amen. So what happened? It says that Sisera had like 900 chariots. And Barak took 10,000 men. So I don't know how many men Sisera had, but he had 900 chariots. And, and uh, Barak took 10,000 men, and it says they slayed every one of them. They slayed all, all the 900 chariots of men, all of the They slayed every one of them except one, Sisera, the king, because he ran away. He ran into the wrong tent, let me tell you, because he took off running, right? And there was a woman named Jael, J-A-E-L, Jael. Love that name. He ran into the tent, and she actually stood and said, Come in here. Come in here. I'll hide you, you know. So he came, ran in, said she hit him under a rug and gave him milk to drink. Isn't that sweet? She's so sweet. She wasn't sweet after that because she knew this is the enemy, and he's come into the territory of the Lord, and he ain't going to make it out alive. Amen? She didn't wait for Barak to get there. She didn't wait for a man to get there. She didn't wait for the troops to get there. She didn't run because he fell asleep, right? It says that he slept under that rug and said, stand at the door of the tent, and if anybody comes, tell them there's nobody in here. So he went to sleep with the milk in his belly, feeling pretty good. And she didn't wait around. It says as soon as he was asleep, she took a tent peg and a hammer in her other hand, and she put it on his temple and drove that tent peg right through his head so that he was stuck to the ground. And God delivered this king into the hand of a woman. 
What's that mean, guys? It means we're going there together. It means you've got every bit of power that we have. We may not be warriors who go out and fight on horses. We may not be ones who draw swords and stand in battle with other men. Not yet. But we're ones every single day who stand in battle against this spiritual world. We're every day, we're, we're talking to people out here who don't know that they're opposing themselves. The word says, in meekness we instruct them. But we're not meek with the devil. We're not cowardly around him at all. We're not going to back down. We're not going to take it easy. He never took it easy on you. He never took it easy on me. He didn't care that I was just a little three-year-old kid and coming to my bedside as a demon every night scaring me. He didn't care. You don't get any free passes in the spirit because you're a child or because you're a woman or because you don't know any better. He'll take advantage every time. And that's why I'm saying, let's get that sword of the spirit out and let's start slaying some demons with it and take him back to territory of the Lord that he has taken from us for so long. Amen. 2024 is the year, but it can start right now. We can just go ahead and say tonight, like Samara, she prophesied it earlier. Remember tonight, right at the end of the, the worship service, she said, mark tonight as the night things change for you. It's not just a mindset. Okay, God, I'm going to start thinking positive and things are going to start changing and looking up. Is there not always somebody standing in your way in, in the, uh, of the devil? Is there not always a test? Is there not always going to be opposition to what the Lord's trying to do? Absolutely there will be. But we're not going to stop anymore. Amen? I don't have time, but we're reminded of the story of uh, Gideon, right? These are all warriors in the Old Testament. Samson, did you know? Listen, I don't care to talk about the devil anymore. I don't care to tell him I, I hate him and I'm going to destroy him. Did you know that, that God said in Jeremiah 51, 52, he said, I'm going to, oh, I got to turn there. It's too good not to read. Jeremiah 50, let's try 51. Sorry. Uh, Jeremiah 51, 20. Yep. Here's what God says. You are my battle axe and my weapons of war. For with you I will break the nations in pieces. With you I will destroy kingdoms, the kingdom of the devil. With you I will break in pieces the chariot and its rider. With you also I will break in pieces man and woman. With you I will break in pieces old and young. With you I will break in pieces the young man and the maiden. With you I will break in pieces the shepherd and his flock. With you I will break in pieces the farmer and his yoke of oxen, and with you I will break in pieces governors and rulers. Let me tell you, when Elijah stood up on that mountain and said, you set up your altar to Baal, I'm going to set up my altar to the real God. He wasn't just taking on men. He wasn't just taking on the 450 prophets. He said, I'm going to take on this principality here, which is what we fight against every day, right? The word says we don't battle against flesh and blood. I'm not out there punching people just to get them saved. I'm battling against principalities and powers. You hear me? I'm battling against rulers in high places and the Lord said, I can do it because he said, with you, I will break in pieces governors and rulers. Any of you got kids that go to public school? You don't have to raise your hand. I know we do. You know there's a principality over schools? Do you know that there are demonic forces, rulers in the kingdom of, you know, darkness that are specifically assigned to the schools? 
There are, there are those that are assigned to health care. There are those that are assigned to churches. There are those that are assigned to certain areas, right? Oh, this is your area. They're an army. And if you know anything about an army, which I know very little, but we know that they have assignments. We knew there were people at the front, people at the back, people that would be flanking. They had riders, they had bowmen, right? They have assignments. And we're to the point now, these, these weak little demons we've been dealing with, we gotta start moving past that mess. We gotta start casting that mess out. I just need to say it. Don't forget, you're called to cast demons out. Jesus called the 70. He said, go into every place that I'm gonna go before I get there. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, preach the gospel and tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm telling you guys, I was heartbroken the other day. I walked through, I was at the Y, right? A bunch of things going on at the Y, I guess. But I walked through the doorway where you go, it's like a full year before you get into the building. It's, you know, a little breezeway or whatever. I walked through there and I smelled, there were two young men standing on each side waiting on a ride maybe. And I couldn't smell nothing but pot. Couldn't smell nothing but reefer. These kids probably... 15, you know, 14, walked out, and I went to my, the van, and went home, and I was like, man, I should have talked to them guys, I think we don't talk to people sometimes, because we don't always know what to say, we know the Lord is good, we know he saved us, but we've been in this mode for so long as Christians, that we're afraid to offend anybody, and I'm telling you, you have to be offended in your thinking to serve the Lord. Because the way of the world, the way they think, is not the way God thinks. So you have to break in and say, the way you're thinking is not godly thinking. When I say offended, I don't mean storming out and calling God names. I'm talking about being corrected. I had to be corrected. God did it for me when I was sitting in a young person's service years ago. That's how I got saved. I was sitting there thinking, all I, all I can want to do is get out of here. All I want to do is go do the things that I've been doing. All I want to do is keep killing myself by the drugs that I've been on. All I want to do is go hang out with my real friends, not all these people. And then a man, a young man spoke from the, the pulpit and gave his testimony. His name was Byron, and he said, if any of you want to be used for the Lord, come up here and ask him. And in a moment, what I wanted to do changed. I didn't know the Lord, but he decided I'm going to do this one for you. Because he does it all, we understand. He does it all for, for his glory. But I said that because God is not afraid to pick a fight. Sometimes we need to be picking fights. You don't have to be like afraid of the devil anymore. You know what? My life is the Lord's. If he wants to do something with it, let him do it. If he wants to lead me into a battle or a war, let him lead me into it. Look at Samson. If you read, if you read Judges 14, it talks about how Samson wanted a, a wife from Timnah, which these were Philistines. They weren't uh, Israelites. His parents were like, Ugh, isn't there anyone amongst the Israelites, amongst your people, that you would want other than someone, you know, outside who God tells us not to go? And the Bible said, what's it say? It says... 
But his mom and dad didn't understand that he was using this as an occasion against the Philistines. God was picking a fight. See, he was going to get Samson involved with the Philistines so that he could come in and crush a bunch of them. God was using this instance to go in and pick a fight with the enemy. And sometimes we got to get it in our heads. I'm not just going to sit back and ride out this storm until it's over. I'm not just going to let him keep doing what he's doing. My sons, my daughters, my cousins, my wife. I'm not just going to let him keep doing what he's doing. I'm going to go ahead and run into this war. And if I got to pick a fight, I'm going to do it because he's going to use me like a battle axe. Amen. So we have authority over all the power of the enemy. Uh, It's time to start winning some wars. We're in wars all the time. Right? We go through them. You know the word, that scripture, uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know what that word wrestle? When I think of wrestling, like in this sense, like spiritual wrestling, I think I'm just kind of like fending somebody off. I don't know how you think about it. But when I think, oh, I'm wrestling with the devil, usually when I hear it and probably even when I say it, that's in a connotation like, oh, he's coming against me and I got to like fend him off. I got to wrestle him. That's not what that word means. If you look that word up, you know what it means? It means to throw down violently. So when we say we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, we're not saying that we're going to stand here and just endure until he decides to stop attacking us. It says we're going to go ahead and throw down violently this devil, these principalities and these powers. That's what I'm talking about for 2024. It's time to start going into some battles and winning, right? And when we start taking the enemy or the the territory of the Lord back from the enemy, He's going to start knowing our names. And I'm not saying that like I care if he knows our names. But I'm saying that when we walk into a place and there's, there's people with strongholds there, demons doing works on people there, the devil got people bound up there, they're going to look up when we walk in. Because they know we're carrying the Holy Spirit. We're carrying the Spirit of God. They say, well, if we're going to mess with that one, we're going to have a battle on our hands. So they're just going to let us go ahead and do whatever we got to do, and we're going to get rid of them. Amen? I'm going to pray real quick, and I'm going to proclaim some things because, you know, it's a new year coming, but it's a new season coming. Too long have we been quiet. Too long have I walked by the boys that smelled like reefer and not said nothing. And this is the year you're going to see it when you see people start getting saved on the doorstep. When you see your neighbor who you've been praying for for a long time, the one who yells at their kids all the time, the one who cusses, all, has the police there all the time. When you start seeing the ones, the un, unsavable, unwanted ones, when they start coming in, you know the devil's losing. And we're going to be the ones he, that the Lord uses to start gaining some of those victories. But it starts with you. It starts in your life. People told me I had authority. We sung about it. You know, all authority is yours in Jesus' name, right? We sing that song. Let it sink in. Let it become revelation to you. The revelation meaning something that was covered has now been uncovered. Let it sink in there. It's work. We fear work, right? We, we don't want to do work. When my kids are sick, I want to give them medicine and not do the work of pray like my flesh I'm talking about as people it takes work there's trillions of them and they're coming against us they all they have is time and if we're willing to put in the work I'm not talking about being saved by works I'm talking about in your life every day when you see the one who is unsavable and you decide I'm actually going to care 
and I'm going to go up and put in the work of not only talking to them, but praying for them, interceding for them. Then things are going to start to move. One last thing. Intercession. This is just hitting me. Intercession is when you stand between the living and the dead. Read it. It's in number 16. A plague broke out against Israel because they disobeyed the Lord. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces and started praying to the Lord. And immediately it says, Moses told Aaron to get the censer and fill it full of incense and go run out into the plague and meet the Lord. And it says Aaron stood up and he ran out and it said the plague had already started and it killed 14,000 Israelites already. And it said Aaron stood between the living and the dead with the prayers of the saints and the plague was stopped. That's a spiritual battle. When you decide, I see this person and they're bound up, I want them to be set free, the Lord wants them to be set free, you better expect a battle. You better be willing to stand between the living and the dead and reach out. Good night, people. Let's reach out to one another. That's been heavy on me lately. We got people going through all kinds of things. And if they don't reach out, reach out to them. Don't let people just go through it. We're here for each other, right? We're here to pray for one another. I'm going to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would let it sink in, God. Let us realize what kind of authority we have. Not because we've done something, but because you've chosen to give it to us. Lord, that you have chosen to put your spirit in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. You said we'd do even greater things than you did. Let it sink in. Let us get the revelation. Let us decide this is the year we're taking things back. In the name of Jesus, as we go from here tonight, be with us in everything we do. I pray that you let us see you in everything. Because you are in everything. You're involved in everything. You never stop thinking about us and you never stop using us. Only when we take ourselves out of the fight are we done. But we're saying it's time to fight. Use us. Be the one that calls us uh, your battle axe. We're ready to start destroying some, some kingdoms. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's all I got. Amen. You can go in peace.